Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Hello, friends. Uh, this is the Season 3, Episode 15 of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mop, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the behind-the-scenes podcast-making stuff right now. So I have been trying, although unsuccessfully, honestly, to be getting to get around to the interviews I did at the National Cyber Summit uh, about a month ago. And so it is a Saturday. It is Saturday right now as I'm recording this Saturday, October 21st. So I'm going to do a bunch of these all at once and kind of release them slowly over the next week or so. So it looks like I'm actually doing something. So if you stuck around this this long and you're you're still downloading and listening, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and so today, this particular episode is going to feature uh, Xavier Sweeney. He works for Taladine Brown here in Huntsville. He was an interesting guy I met there. I kind of met him the last day and he um, is big into doing some stuff online that's interesting. I don't want to give away all of it, but he's got an interesting story, interesting things he does regarding theft of cryptocurrency, honestly. Um, So it's uh, not a tremendously long interview. So as with all these, these will be pretty short, much shorter episodes. So kind of quicker to get through. Hopefully the audio sounds okay, because obviously I was doing this in a big big hall here in Huntsville. So there's a lot of echo and stuff like that. But um, I think you'll get the gist of it. Uh, If you didn't know already, likely you probably do. Uh, I have another podcast called the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I've been doing every day. Um, It's kind of supplanted the Cyber Guy podcast as far as uh, how often I do it. Obviously, I do it Monday through Friday, looking at the cyber news of the day. Friday is actually op-ed Friday. So I kind of, I don't really look at the news per se, but probably give an opinion on some stuff. Like, for example, this particular week had to do with the... um, uh, had to do with cybersecurity awareness training, stuff like that. And actually, what I'm going to do actually now as I'm thinking about this, I'm going to tack that on to the end of this podcast. You can kind of get, if you're not listening to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update, you can kind of get a flavor of what I'm doing with that. So I'll kind of tag that in to the back end of this. Uh, certainly, if you've already heard it, you can skip right through it and call it a day. But it's there for you if you have not heard that podcast and you want to get a sample of what that's like, you can do that as well. Uh, I have a bunch of social media stuff I'm doing uh, with Substack. I'm, I'm trying to write articles periodically that I can kind of expound on different cybersecurity topics. So uh, hopefully you'll find those useful as well. I do do stuff on Instagram and Facebook, but really it's just reposting the daily cyber smart uh, morning news update podcast for people who are there. Um, just trying to do a couple of different things, a couple of things here and there. I'm not really getting into video stuff because there's a lot of work that goes involved in that. So I'm not really going to work on that right now. I am experimenting with a couple things, uh, online stuff to help with with presentation stuff. It's it's called Doodly. Um, So I'm working with that. So we'll see what we do. We do with that. It's probably more information you really care to know for this particular podcast. So I'll let you, I'll, I'll stop right there and get right into my interview at the National Cyber Summit with Xavier Sweeney. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed recording it. So I'm joined by Xavier Sweeney of Teledyne Brown Engineering. Xavier, thanks so much for taking the time. 
Thank you. <laughs> you sound like you sound like real quiet. So bring that a little closer to your mouth there. There you go. So, so what do you do for Teledyne? Talk about your cyber journey. How'd you get where you are? So hey, uh, I'm actually a cybersecurity. Uh, not actually in cybersecurity for Teledyne. So I'm a subcontractor for them throughout. Okay. State. I worked as a payload system engineer. Okay. So, uh, oh, that's cool. When I'm here on my lunch break, they did tell you that I like cybersecurity as well. All right. <laughs> so all right. The intro is I'm a cybersecurity uh, engineer. Uh, I kind of like getting out into the red teaming space. So a lot of my experience has mainly. A lot of my interest is mainly been surrounding uh, researching into malware, ransomware, okay. and a lot of those things. So I started on rooms like Try Hack Me, Hack the Box, mm -hmm. and gained some experience, and it was really fun. Um, I had a chance to meet a lot of interesting people in Clubhouse, and they, uh, they're CISOs, researchers, great teamers, blue teamers, and they're a really amazing group of people. So they inspired me to actually, you know, do what I can. And so what what school are you at? I'm currently, I'm not actually in school. I graduated from oh. Alabama State University, and that's oh, actually gotcha. how okay. I ended up working Alabama, Where's Alabama State? Uh, down in Montgomery. Oh, awesome. Okay. And then you moved up here to Huntsville? Mm -hmm. Cool. So what what was it about cybersecurity that drew it to you? So everybody has a story, right? I mean, my I got my, I was a high school teacher when the FBI started working cybercrime and got cybersecurity that way. So right. what got you? What, what was it? You said you were in Clubhouse listening. So what was the draw? Well, so actually before Clubhouse, uh, I actually ended up on Clubhouse because I started researching okay. cybersecurity. But what got me into cyber was actually finding out that I was in a data breach. Oh, really? So we'll talk about that a little bit. Know, I wanted to know exactly where my data was. I knew I couldn't Google it. I knew there was no magical spreadsheet. They didn't email me and give me what they found. Um, you always get a nice little letter. Hey, we're going to give you some credit monitoring, and here's what they may or may not have, right? Right. So I actually had to do some diving, and I ended up finding out uh, recently, Breach Forums, I ended up finding that website and figuring out how to you know, navigate and run the data. So my surprise was, hey, uh, you don't pay for it? You, you just expose your username and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this breach, right? Um, that's pretty much the idea of the website. You don't have to pay for your breach. But I did comment enough to go ahead and find my data breach, look through and find out what exactly it had on me, and it helped me assess my threat model. So I've been doing that for about a year now, just adding things that I've been finding sure. myself to my own data breach file. Did you go to haveibeenpwned.com and try that one? Yep, that was the first one I went to. Okay. And then I went to uh, sites like Intel Edge and Dehash and a few others. Uh, breach Forms is probably the best resource until our friend Palm went out. Yeah. So as you've been so as you've been researching this stuff, what have you found? Like, what is so is it, is it an area you want to move into ultimately from what you're doing now to a future job or is it just a, just a hobby at this point? It's really a hobby and I think I've had the hardest time nailing down what it is I truly want to do. Yeah, I yeah. will say, uh, I don't want to speak too much on it, I've gotten into a little bit of the cryptocurrency side. Uh -huh. So a lot of my work has largely been on the blockchain forensics and I think I've had a lot more fun at that. Um, I've also actually, they still do it malware out there as well in the form mm -hmm. of P2E games. So you'll actually still get drawn back into your natural internal instincts of you know red teaming blue teaming because you still deal with those concepts and at the core web 3 we're still dealing with a lot of what we call web 2 things such as social engineering and phishing so um if you're on a computer and you click the wrong link we would say it's phishing right right it's the same thing in cryptocurrency well that's interesting right because that is an interesting area that is just it's still in its nascent stages it's still still growing in the womb, I guess, the best way to put it. Well, maybe it's been born, but it still hasn't crawled yet. So uh, that's an interesting area to focus in simply because when you get when smart contracts start becoming more prevalent um, and cryptocurrency is not going away, having an expertise in that is going to make you very valuable in a lot of different spaces because just, there's just not a lot of people that are diving into it in that kind of depth. Yeah, it's not a lot that are, that are public about it, uh, but I will say in my experience out there, uh, I think it's really just largely less known. Um, in my experience, uh, I will go ahead and uh, just mention wallet drainers. Uh, this will tell a lot of people a lot about 
but they've stolen over $100 million. Mm -hmm. um, and that may be small to some, but it's a lot when one victim can lose up to $5 million. Sure, 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 sure. And, you know, that's the, and that was a big thing. Um, was it yesterday or last? I saw there was a cryptocurrency article I read recently where the, um, no, it was a bankruptcy, th I, whatever it was, but there was obviously, there was a okay. There was a company going under bankruptcy. I don't remember who it was. They they were a cryptocurrency company was in bankruptcy and froze everybody's wallets. Oh. So they froze everybody's wallet. So you couldn't you it. couldn't offload your wallet. So it had to stay it was staying in basically hot storage, right on the on the company site. The hackers sent a letter that appeared to come from the bankruptcy group to the users to get their account information to go in and take their take their cryptocurrency. And that's pretty much how all this happens. And when I say phishing and social engineering, those are literally the top two attacks you're going to see in right. the cryptocurrency space. The uh, Coinbase, MetaMask, there goes some phishing emails, and they will tell you, hey, your account is locked. There's no different than you, you get an email from Amazon. Hey, your Amazon account's been locked. Well, they want to potentially order things for you or steal your credit card information. These guys, they want your seed phrase or your private key, or they just want access to your wallet mm -hmm. or all the funds inside of it. Have you looked into pig butchering or any of that stuff where the, the Chinese folks are using cryptocurrency scams to get people to invest in cryptocurrency and then basically yank all their money away? Uh, I believe we would call those rug pools. What do you call them? Rug pools. Rug pulls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. That sounds right. Yeah. So pretty much, yeah, it's, it's, there's all this FOMO. There's all this invest, 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 and your tokens are going to, you know, 10x, 1,000x, and then the person that controls the contract pulls liquidity. Yep. How prevalent? So that's like the number one. For, for 2022, when you look at the, the Internet Crime Complaint Center Cybercrime Report, that's now number one. It used to be business email compromise. Now cryptocurrency fraud and investment fraud is number one. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't actually know, but I hadn't checked the top of the list, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was at minimum in the top. So how, okay. So you're, so how do you, if you're, if you're in cryptocurrency, what do you do? What's the best route to go to protect yourself? Uh, the first thing you do is understand that your seed phrase and private keys do not go to anyone. You do not give those away. You don't give them to a Telegram bot, Discord bot. You don't give them to an online form or anyone. We're going to pause there as she talks. So then we'll, I'll, I'll edit that part out. Okay, let's assume she's done. All right, so say, say that. So we're gonna go back and, and st state that again. To understand if you're if you're in in cryptocurrency, what do you need to do to protect your protect your stuff? So the first thing you do is again understand that your private key and seed phrase do not go anywhere to anybody. They were given to you at the creation of your wallet, and everyone tells you write it down, put it on a stone tablet. You know, don't take a screenshot of it uh, because if someone gets that, they ultimately control your assets. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the exchange froze people's funds uh, in terms of a hot wallet. Yes, so get you a cold storage, or at minimum, get you something that is not on an exchange. So Coinbase is nice, and, and they may give you good fees when you're transferring, so leave some money in there, potentially. But understand that uh, the common phrase goes, not your keys, not your crypto. So if, so if I leave my coin, if people leave their Coinbase accounts in Coinbase, the keys are there with it, right? Coinbase controls that wallet. Right. So when you so when you log in, if I if you get if, if a bad guy gets access to your wallet, he's got access to your addresses. Right. That's right. A, but if you offload them to cold storage, like that's what I did with mine. I downloaded all mine into a thumb drive. All those addresses are now only located on that thumb drive, correct? Correct. Awesome. Yeah. So 
where's the future of crypto going? What's the, how are they going to secure this crap? What are they going to, is it, do you think all these coins that have lost value over the last two years, are they going to come back up? Is it going to go, which way is it going? I always hear everyone say it's all going to zero. Those, that's, that's the okay. thing, it's all going yeah. to zero. Um, but I'm unsure. I think that there's a hope here if we can get people to understand concepts like self-custody, but that is a very hard road. Uh, I have to right. it, it, it's very hard to have a bank to go to and as a bailout to say, this happened to me, and now there is no bank. That's generally the concept that we all are trying to help people understand. When you come into this space, there is no bank for you. However, it may not be for everybody, and I think we all talk about mass adoption sometimes. That's a hard concept to fathom when you understand that it would literally require a level of awareness that many of us are still lacking in our daily web two lives. Right, right. What if the government creates its own cryptocurrency, makes us all use it? What is Fed now? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right, Xavier, thanks so much for stopping by. Best of luck in your, your cybersecurity cryptocurrency career. And I hope we can keep, keep talking more. And uh, I follow Xavier on uh, LinkedIn. Find him on LinkedIn. Hey, Link Xavier Sweeney. Sweeney. All right, thanks, man. Take care. So again, I want to thank Xavier Sweeney for joining me on the podcast at the National Cyber Summit a couple of weeks ago. I uh, hope you enjoyed his interview. Like I said, I'm going to release a couple more of these interviews over the course of the next couple of days for look at the look for those in your download feed or your download feed, your podcast feed rather. So as always, I appreciate those who take the time to listen. And as promised, at the end of me talking in this particular part of the podcast, I'm going to it's going to roll right into the the, the most recent Cyber Smart Morning News update I did. It was again that's an op. This is an op-ed version. So every Every day, I kind of go through six to seven different news articles, kind of talk about what the news article is, what it means uh, for folks, and, and kind of give my opinion on that particular topic. Friday's a little different. It's more of the whole thing's opinion. So I just want to give you a flavor of that particular podcast. And if you've already heard it, certainly you can skip through it, call it a day. If you have not heard it, I'm always open for feedback for all the stuff I do, the Substack writing, the Cyber Guy podcast, the Cyber Smart Morning News podcast. All you got to do is contact me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. Cyber is spelled C-Y-B-U-R. Uh, and you can also follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Uh, my face, uh, my Substack is cyberguy, the cyberguy.substack.com. So you can find me there as well. You'll find me somewhere. If you look hard enough, you'll find me somewhere. As always know that knowledge is protection. If we understand the threats targeting us, we can assess our risk, proceed wisely. I thank you so much for taking the time to download, to listen to the podcast. And as mentioned, coming up in about five seconds will be the Friday October 20th, Cyber Smart Morning News update to give you a flavor of what that's like if you're so interested. Have a great day. We'll talk again soon. Good morning and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired special agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Friday, October 20th, 2023, and this is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott, and as it is Friday, that is Op-Ed Friday. So I was talking to a friend today um, about a particular topic, and I thought that'd be a good one to do for my Op-Ed for the Friday podcast. So it's going to have to, it, it revolves around cyber training. I've talked about a lot about cyber training. For those who 
um, have followed me on a, my Cyber Guy podcast or are aware of kind of where I come from on a lot of this stuff. I'm a former teacher before I came an FBI agent. Um, and so now I'm taking my old passion for education and my current passion for cybersecurity and trying to blend those things together to help people keep themselves safe, understand how to protect themselves. You know, my whole thing with understand the threats, you can assess your risk, proceed wisely, right? Knowledge is protection, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of that revolves around cyber training. And I've argued for a long time that currently within the corporate world, we don't really do cyber training well. Some people do, some companies do, some can afford it and can do it regularly. But for most companies, especially small and medium-sized businesses, they do maybe once a year some form of IT security training, maybe a PowerPoint on a free website that they kind of whip through and you can confirm that you went through the PowerPoint and you did what you had to do and you are now cyber secure for the year. We used to do this in the bureau. When I first got in the FBI, I was on a cyber squad. So, you know, within our office, there were, you know, eight or nine of us at least understood the cybersecurity landscape and cyber threats and things like that. So we could go through those fairly quickly. It actually became humorous because it was the same presentation every year. And so we'd see how quickly can we hit the button to go through the PowerPoint. Now, the bureau figured out later that we were doing that, not us personally, but a lot of people were just kind of whipping through it. So they came up with this different methodology, which required you to have to be on screens you couldn't move through a screen without watching a video. I mean, we got ways around that as well. You just, you turn it on, you let the video run and you come back when it's over and you move on to the next one and all this. It was, and learn nothing, right? We, it's not designed to really ingrain any type of cybersecurity mindset or as my friend Scott Agamon likes to say, a cybersecure mindset. And so we don't train very well. We train everybody the same way. So again, referring to Scott Agamon, he was talking about, um, I talked about, I've talked about a lot about cyber leadership training and um, training leaders within an organization differently than you train the end user. There's different perspectives around why you would do that, why you would need to do that kind of stuff. And he came up with the term role-based training. I thought that is genius. So, you know, within an organization, people have different layers of responsibilities. Cyber training is not designed to train people from a cybersecurity perspective within their role. Like the customer service person needs to understand cybersecurity somewhat differently. There are different pieces that are important to that person than, say, the CEO or the business office manager or whoever, right? So we need to relook at cyber training and rearrange it based on role-based training. Now, there's a lot of people that use, hey, I, I use no before, it works great for me. But no before is a single, it has simple solutions that are all encompassing that you buy one thing and everybody gets the same training, right? Everybody gets the phishing emails and does all that stuff, but it's not role-based training, which is where companies need to look to go to improve their cybersecurity posture from a knowledge-based perspective as far, as far as all of the people within the company understanding what it is they need to do to not only keep the business safe from a cyber perspective, but themselves safe, because that really is the key, right? If you are saying, okay, I want you to take this cyber training, if it's not important to the person, they won't probably pay a whole lot of attention to it. So that's why I think in addition to having 
cyber training being role-based. So it's specific training for specific roles within an organization. It also needs to be regular training. In other words, talking about different topics that are pertinent to individuals, both corporately and individually, right? So talking about how to protect not only the business network, but how people can protect themselves at home, what they should do to keep their home network safe, and providing that kind of training that adds value to a person's life because no one wants to be a cyber victim, right? If they're a victim within a business, maybe they don't see the big picture other than that, you know, the network goes down within a company because of ransomware. The problem is if your company is um, based on, has a reputation base and stuff like that, you're going to lose reputation. You may lose stock prices, a lot of different ancillary components to that, that, uh, an end user within a company may not think about until it hits the bottom line. And then the other thing is obviously you're now people working from home. So you, they need to keep their home network safe so that the bad guys can't compromise a machine or a device at a home network that then allows them to pivot into a corporate computer that is using a work network at home because the VPN is not configured correctly. The credentials are poor, pick a problem. So how do you skin this Skin this fish. I, I'm, I'm uh, sorry. It's I am uh, <laughs> losing the words here on Friday. But how do you skin this cat, right? So, and my wife would not like that because we have cats. But how do you how do you skin this particular cat? Well, the first part is you have to think about do this something you should want to do. Well, honestly, for even small and medium companies, large companies are going to do what the large companies are going to do. Um, but even for for all size companies, this role based functional training that is frequent and repetitive can work across every industry, not just you know, the defense industrial base or not just healthcare or not just wherever. Every industry, regardless of where you sit, can benefit from a rethinking of how you do cybersecurity training if you want to improve your cybersecurity posture and make everyone have that cybersecure mindset so that they won't click the link that will cause bad things to happen in a network. They won't have weak password security. They'll want to have multi-factor authentication on all of their critical um, logins. All the things I talk about all the time, all the things all of us within the cybersecurity world talk about all the time. Chances are most folks even listening to this podcast are saying, yeah, I know, I know, I do all those things. But think about the people you work with. Think about the people that aren't in cybersecurity world. Are they thinking of these things? And these are not hard things to do right? Being able to have a strong password, use a password manager, use multi-factor authentication, be careful what you do at home, how to protect your kids at home, how to protect your seniors. There's a whole gamut of things that companies can incorporate from a cybersecurity education perspective. My fear is no one wants to do it, right? Because, oh, it might cost money. Well, there are a lot of options to doing this that don't necessarily have to cost a lot of money. And I think there is a, there is a gap in the cyber education space that can be filled with this kind of role-based training thought process. So I think I say all this because it's something that I think I'll probably work on, um, probably with Scott Agamom. For those who don't know, Scott Agamom is a uh, well-known speaker within the cybersecurity world. He's got a book called The Secret to Cybersecurity. He's also a retired FBI agent. Um, and so you can go find him on LinkedIn as well. But I mean, that is something to think about going forward. And as always, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this particular idea, this whole role-based training idea. And if it was created, would it be something you might be interested in? Um, so that is the op-ed for today, role-based training, improving how you do cyber education within your business. Not exactly a unique take, 
per se, but a take that certainly needs to be talked about frequently until people start doing it that way. So that's my Friday op-ed for today. I'm going to get you out of here in under 10 minutes so you can go enjoy the rest of your Friday and roll into your weekend. Maybe on Monday we'll show up and the cybercrime world, the cybersecurity world will have solved all of its problems and I'll have absolutely no cyber news to report on Monday. Chances are that will not be the case. But if it is, great. If not, we will talk again on Monday. I hope you enjoy your weekend because we all know knowledge is protection. If we understand the threats targeting us, we can assess our risk, proceed wisely. As always, thoughts, comments, welcome. Feel free to email me, find me on LinkedIn, any of my social media sites. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Love to talk with you. Talk to you soon. See you on Monday. CyberSmart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.